In this episode of Upward Calling, we talk about Mary, the mother of Jesus, as a disciple. Welcome to Upward Calling. We help Christians develop a relationship with God by talking with the University Church of Christ evangelist Josh Creel and Dr. Kenny Embry. Listen as we take a deeper dive on a lesson on a recent Sunday service and help you apply it Monday through Friday. How you doing, Josh? Kenny, I'm fantastic. I hope you're doing well. We're doing pretty well, getting gearing up for, for the holiday season. We've got a trip planned, so we won't be in town, but we'll, we will have something for everybody to listen to. What, what are your plans That's for right. the holiday? Well, we're also uh, going out of town. We're uh, traveling up to Alabama tomorrow, and we'll be able to visit with both our families, and we won't be here next Lord's Day. But as you alluded to already, we're going to have something for that, but we'll be back shortly after. Yeah, that sounds great. As promised, today you talked about Mary, which I, I got to tell you. did. You did. What kind of misconceptions do you think most people have about Mary, both good and bad? It just kind of depends on who you're talking to. When we talk about the veneration of Mary, you know, we're oftentimes thinking of Catholicism. And I know afterwards, one of our sisters at church this morning was talking to us, and she was even wondering if that's still as, as big of an issue. Yeah. And, you know, I don't know. And you'd have to look at statistics and kind of what shape the Catholic Church is in in the United States. Mm-hmm. But that's a broad reach that the Catholic Church has, particularly in Hispanic countries, depending on what your background was, you may have grown up with the misconception that Mary is almost a coordinate with Jesus. Mm -hmm. Not not only salvation through the blood of Christ, but your salvation can be found through Mary, and you can appeal to her, and she can appeal to her son on your behalf. And so that, that veneration... The misconception that I'm probably more concerned with, because I don't know that we had very many, if anybody, in our assembly this morning who came in wondering, are we going to say Hail Marys today? Right. The misconception I have is that she's just a person. Right. Because we, we, we do a pretty, pretty bad job of being very reactionary. Yeah, And so, you know, on a lot of topics, you know, we, we hear so many people talking about how uh, we're saved by grace through faith, but we also, we understand that God expects us to obey and follow his commandments. Yeah. So we get into these arguments about when we know we're not saved. Well, we almost say we're not saved by grace through faith. Well, then <laughs> if we say that, we're not being scriptural because scripture says that in those terms in Ephesians 2. What we have done, though, is we've been very reactionary. We don't want to give ground, so we have to make sure, okay, we have to understand, you have to obey, you have to follow God, when all we need to do is actually talk about what is faith, and then we can begin to understand where obedience is in that. So with Mary, because she has become, in in so much of the religious community, something that she's not in Scripture, right? she gets ignored. That's right. And that's what I don't want. I, I want us to be able to, when we think of, of this figure, I, I don't want to place too much importance on her, but I do want to recognize her. And if, and if she says, and I believe by inspiration in Luke 1 and verse 48, that from this time on, all generations will call me blessed, mm-hmm. yeah. then we ought to call her blessed too. And there's reasons for that. I completely agree. As you kind of alluded to, there's often a pendulum swing. If you see an overreaction on one side, we tend to overreact on the other side. And and so I, I think you're exactly right. We need to give Mary her due 
because she was blessed. She is blessed. Uh, but on the other hand, and I think this is one of the things I was thinking of as I was listening to the sermon, as promised, you kept this in, in that discipleship theme. You were kind of looking at the discipleship of Mary. In some ways, her discipleship is just very ordinary. Uh, she had, as you talked about today, she had obvious times of doubt. She had her own problems. What, in your opinion, was typical and what was, in your opinion, atypical about Mary's discipleship? I'll start with the atypical, because that's okay. probably uh, the one that's quickest to, to go through. And the, and the atypical thing is, I think you could say atypical from really the standpoint of any of Jesus' closest followers in the first century is they got to actually spend time with him. Mm-hmm. They heard from the Son of God himself, and Mary heard from the angel Gabriel sent by God, that's uh, right. you know, the, these direct messages so there's atypical from the standpoint, and with Mary, no one else is going to give birth miraculously to Jesus. She's the only one. She has a a call from God that only she is going to fulfill, much like Noah is the only one in Scripture who has to build an ark to save his family. Yeah. You know, there, there are these things. But the typical part is where we identify with her. And as you already said— she had problems. Yeah. And so the, the most typical aspect of her is this is a disciple who has to grow over time. Yeah. Yeah. And we don't know exactly how old or rather I should say how young she was when she she gave birth to Jesus. She could have been, you know, in her late teens, a very very easy um mm-hmm. uh, possibility. Yeah. We, we just don't know these things. But here is someone who has heard from God she knows this is God's son, mm-hmm. but she's going to have some of the same misconceptions that all the other disciples had, namely that God's son has to die. Yeah. That God's son has to be crucified for our sins. But we see her, and I, and I included that um, you know point in Acts, and, and I'll go into a little discursion here in a second. But we see her in Acts chapter 1. She is counted as one of the disciples. Mm-hmm. So she's gotten over this misconception. Well, there's not a disciple alive that doesn't have some misconceptions at some point in their discipleship. Right. But we grow. We don't stay there. And the point in the sermon was we we don't let the first little bit of doubt or the little trial that comes our way just let it take us off course. We wait. We stay with it. We have those doubts. We have those difficulties. And we continue on. I mentioned I wanted to come back to, to Mary in the book of Acts. Luke, uh, of all the gospel writers, is the one who pays more attention to Jesus' early life. Matthew mm-hmm. certainly has some some things from the, the life of Jesus, but only Luke talks about going into the temple and those sacrifices that were made after Jesus' birth. Luke's the one that talks about what happens at the age of 12 when they go back to Jerusalem. And there's speculation, but Luke makes a point in his opening announcement to Theophilus that he's writing the book of Luke to, that he has investigated all of this carefully. Right. And so we refer to Luke as this great historian because he is making sure to investigate things. and He's writing an orderly account for Theophilus to know and to understand. Yeah. You get into the latter chapters of Acts when Paul has made his way to Jerusalem and he's going to be arrested and he he stays in Caesarea two times. And at some point in that time frame, 
Luke, who had not been with Paul, now is with Paul. And we know that from the change of pronouns because it goes from he or they to us. Mm-hmm. And so we know from that Luke is there. Yeah. What's Luke doing during those two years? Mm-hmm. Is Luke interviewing some of these witnesses? Is Luke interviewing Mary? Mm-hmm. That That is a question that, that people who, who look at this have. Mm-hmm. That would also imply... You know, she has continued to live on, you know, after the death of Jesus, perhaps another 30 years, don't know, Uh -uh. but she's still counted as one of the disciples, and and Luke would have been able to go and talk to her and find out firsthand some of these things that happened in the early life of Jesus. Again, Kenny, that's speculation. For sure. It it makes some sense. You know, you you look at it, you start piecing things together, and it's a definite possibility it makes you wonder. Yeah, it sure does. I'll tell you what, one of the other things that it does, uh, you mentioned Luke, and Luke is, is my favorite gospel, mostly because it focuses a lot on John the Baptist. And when you look at, in the beginning of Luke, where, where it's Elizabeth and Mary talking, Elizabeth is very obviously not in childbearing years. For all practical purposes, she's Sarah. Mm-hmm. And when you start thinking about Elizabeth having a child past childbearing age, John the Baptist made the most sense to be the Messiah because he, it was obvious that he was kind of strange. It was obvious his birth was miraculous. And then you find Mary, and it's not obvious that her having a child is miraculous. As a matter of fact, and you pointed this out, it looked like she had been fooling around with another guy. As a matter of fact, the thing that made her most blessed made her a huge scandal in her community. That's true with a lot of people. Job, there was nobody who thought Job was blessed by God when he lost everything. It's interesting, to, and I really appreciated that you pointed that out, that the blessing of God, this woman that, that should be blessed, basically had to put up with a lot of stigma, probably her entire life. Think of how that stigma changed. So she goes from the stigma, as we talked about this morning, even if she told the people in Nazareth, told her own family, told Joseph, mm-hmm. I didn't do anything. You right. know, this this happened from God. Right. Well, again, we know Joseph didn't believe her because he was going to put her away. Yeah, yeah. And, and what do the other people? Well, then there's the other stigma. There is the stigma that's attached to her as Jesus is growing in popularity— but he's being rejected at the same time. He's being rejected not only by the Jewish leadership, but the one place we know he went on his, in his earthly ministry where they tried to kill him was Nazareth. Mm-hmm. Now, where is Mary living at that time? Is she still living in Nazareth? I don't know. I don't know. Maybe. Either, yeah. But she, she goes to that stigma. Okay, my son, the Jewish leaders hate him. And so anyone who's identified with them— right may turn their back on Mary as well. And then Jesus is crucified. Yeah. And to the Jews, as we know from the Apostle Paul's words, this is, you know, this is a stumbling block because, you know, a righteous person you would not think of being hung from a tree because God has said, cursed is he who hangs from a tree. Right. So now your son has been crucified as a criminal. Now there's these people going out around talking about how he's risen from the dead right, and, right. and we should follow him. And she identifies as one of those. But when Jesus says, 
you have to love me more than mother and father and your family. And if you're kicked out of your home and if you're brought before the, the Sanhedrin and you're brought before trial, it's all because of him. Mary would have lived through that too. Yeah. So she goes through all this stigma and to our knowledge, grows in her faith and remains faithful to God to the end. Yeah. Yeah. And that's what it means to be blessed by God. I, I think one of the things, she is blessed by God. She absolutely is. But we could go back to Abraham and Sarah again. They didn't see most of those blessings in their lifetime. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mary did not see most of the blessings of, of the of the ministry of Jesus. I don't know when she died. You don't either. I mean, nobody does. But but I think one of the things that is that is fascinating to me is she does not deserve worship, as you rightly say. But she sure does deserve a lot of credit for, for putting up with a lot of stuff and, and basically being somebody that God honored with this honor, which looked like this honor. Does that make sense? It does. I'll say it again. I believe Luke one thirty eight is one of the great statements of faith in all of Scripture. Behold, let it be done to me, bondservant of the Lord, mm-hmm. let it be done to me exactly what he says in, in the position she is in. We've been talking about discipleship. Our goal is not to be like Mary. Our goal is not to be like Abraham or Peter or Paul or any of these other figures from Scripture. Our goal is to be like Jesus. The benefit, though, of all these people, Mary included, is they show us more examples of how people, regular people like us, Mm -hmm. with, with our warts, with our faults, with our doubts, they show us and give us patterns about how they grew in their discipleship. So that can help me. The goal is still not to be like them, it's to be like Jesus. Right. But they give us ways to be like Jesus. Yeah, yeah. And <laughs> see if you agree with this. The journey of a righteous person is often marked by a lot of trial. Mary's life was had to be marked about with a lot of trial. You just mentioned several of them right there. Um, I don't know if she kept all of her friends. I don't know. If she kept her standing in the community, I don't know a lot of things. The fact of the matter is just like the great bastions of faith that we know something about. She came through it. Uh, She, again, like you said, at the end of this, she was one of the disciples of Jesus. She was one of the disciples of her son. That's a great testament, both to who she, who she was and what she did. I guess that's the way I would say that. Does that make sense? Amen. Uh, It does. Okay. Okay. How has Mary been basically made an idol? Well, let's first talk about your your wife's doubt in, in me. <laughs> so, Kenny, go go ahead and bring it up. Absolutely. One of the things that Katie saw you you put Mariolatry up on the up on the overhead, and Katie poked me and she said, "I've never heard of that word. What is that?" And I I told her I said, "I'm pretty sure Josh just made that up." And Josh, did you make it up? I did not. It oh. is a it is a th- Theological term found in the best theological dictionaries. At oh. least is, I, I classify the ones I have as as the best. So, no, it is a term. I, I didn't come up with it. I'll give you a humorous story, though. We're in the car, head on the way home, and my oldest son was coming. He said, "When you put," and he was he was trying to remember what it was. He thought I had Mariology, but it's you know Mariolatry. So when you put Mariolatry on the screen. The way it's spelled, I thought you had Mario or Mario Olatry <laughs> on the screen. He said, I kind of lost focus after that. <laughs> I'll, go ahead. I'll go ahead and tell you, I, I basically cracked the same joke 
because one of my children, it might have been Kent or, or Abby, I don't remember which, but 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 she said uh, he said, uh, "Is that a real thing?" And I said, "Well, it's it's obviously the worship of Mario." So, but <laughs> she, yes. okay, yeah, it's yes. it's a great dad joke. Oh, yeah, <laughs> but go ahead. What is well, Mariolatry? So Mariolatry and, and coming to the idolatry series that we spent some time on a, a month or so back, yeah. A lot of the idols that we we talk about today are a little more hidden than than this one. This one's pretty pretty blunt for what it is. Yeah. Uh, if if I'm praying to Mary, if I'm worshiping Mary, if I'm you know venerating her a, as deity, then I I've made her something that she's not. Yeah. What what we tried to do this morning is classify her as what she is a great figure in scripture who has faith, who has problems, but who also has faith, who grows and who serves and is blessed yeah. by God for that. Yeah. That's that's enough. I mean, <laughs> if we yeah. can do the same and be considered blessed by God, that's the goal right there. Mm-hmm. But because she, more has been made of her, then she has been worshipped. The Hail Mary is more than just a, an exciting play in football. It's, you know, <laughs> it's, it's something that's said by millions of people every day. It's a sincere, I I disagree with it, people are sincere in doing it, Mm -hmm. but it's a misguided place of putting trust. Mary's a great person. Her trust is only in God and in Jesus, though. Yeah, that's exactly right. That said, I think the the proper way to look at Mary is as an example, but not not as as somebody that that we should worship, not as somebody who, who we should, as you say, venerate. She's human. But she's definitely blessed by God. So, and that's basically the point you were trying to make. Yeah. How can understanding Mary help us to pursue God's upward call? As we're looking at being disciples of Jesus, we're, we're looking at the person who, and I know what Hebrews 4 verse 15 says about how, you know, he was tested and tried in all the ways in which you are without sin. And, and so mm-hmm. he, he does serve as an example to us in that, but we are reading and studying and following someone who never made a mistake. That's our goal, is to, is to be like him. We, we are trying to be like God. How Mary and any other character study that we, that we ever do, and I have to be conscious of this when, I, when I'm preaching, that we're not just exalting these characters in the Bible to make more of them than they are, but they are helping us in that upward call because they show us how these people in, in real-life circumstances with some of the same faults and flaws that we have, how they overcome them through their faith in God, through God's help, and, and ultimately are blessed by him. So that's true of Mary. Whenever we do you know, a sermon on Paul or you, know, you, you, you name the figure Ruth or whoever it could be in the Old Testament— we're, we're trying to do the same thing. We're, we're trying to be what God wants us to be, and we're using these examples of, of his faithful people, much like the Hebrew writer does in Hebrews chapter 11. We're, we're setting our eyes on Jesus. Uh, that's what chapter 12 starts with. You know, We're, we're not going to take our gaze off of him. But we also have all these other figures who show us what faith is and show us how uh, God blesses those with faith. Yeah. I, you know, the other thing that I would say, and it's just adding on to what you're saying, I mean, it reminds me a lot of Isaiah, where God says, who can I send to go? And, and Isaiah says, here I am, send me. In my opinion, what Mary says in this passage is, you need somebody to bear your son. Here am I. Send me. I'll do that. Yeah. Uh, that's <laughs> what can we do for other people? Mm-hmm. I mean, I, we, we were talking about that last week. We were talking about the, the tornadoes that, that ripped through the Southeast. 
what can we do for them? Well, here we are. Send us. Do something. Amen. Don't 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 Amen. just sit, sit back and, and be admire people. Do something. Yeah. All right, Josh. Well, you're going to be out of time. I'm going to be out of time. What are we going to talk about next? When the new year is upon us, I'm, I'm assuming we will figure something out. I think that sounds like a great idea. So I tell you what, why don't why don't we uh, why don't we talk about that next time? All right, sounds good, Kenny. All right, man. Thanks. Thanks for listening. If you'd like to get to know us more, you're welcome to watch a live stream service or join us in person at the University Church of Christ in Tampa, Florida. We have all of our information at universitychurchofchrist.org, including the sermon that we discuss in this episode. Until next time, God bless you in your walk with God.